Hello, welcome to uh, welcome to uh, welcome to my podcast called called Jonathan Real Talk Radio. Um, well, most of this in this recording session, these ne- these last few episodes, I have I have been doing um, going through or or going through the book No Drama Discipline by Dr. Daniel Siegel, M.D. and the Dr. Tina Payne Bratson, Ph.D. Um, it, the book is No Drama Discipline. I've been going through these various chapters, uh, none, I mean, no particular order, and just, um, and just, just read, like read to read some chapters, and and um, to help um, pe- people who listens to get a concept of parenting. Of, of what parenting should be and stuff um, and if you're listening if you like my stuff uh, feel free to subscribe to my to my to my podcast monthly it's only eight dollars it's not much it would help me out a lot just eight dollars of your of your money each month that will go to helping me out it would greatly help me out to produce more great material on my podcast and um, getting right, getting right into it this is a chapter um, it's in the book it's cha- it's um, it's chapter what chapter is it chapter 20 I believe well not chapter 20 but it's and um, and well it's it's the chapter called twenty twenty discipline mistakes even great parents make and stuff and um yeah twenty discipline mistakes even the greatest of the greatest parents make and stuff that's the name of the chapter and because we of we we of always always parenting our children it takes real effort to look at our discipline strategies objectively good intentions can be replaced by less than effective habits quickly and that can be leave us operating blindly disciplining in ways that might not bring out our best or the best in our children here are some common discipline mistakes made by even the best intentioned most well-informed parents these mistakes cropped up when we lose sight of our no drama whole brain goals keeping them in mind can help us to avoid them or or to step back when we start heading down the low road okay and the number one number one our discipline becomes consequence based instead of teaching based one of the uh, mis- one of the discipline mistakes is our discipline becomes consequence based instead of teaching based. The goal of discipline is not to make sure that each infraction is immediately met with co- with a consequence. Let me read that again. The goal of discipline is not to make sure that each infraction is is immediately met with consequence. 
the real goal is to teach our children how to live well in the world, but many times we discipline on autopilot. And we focus so much on the consequence that those become the end goal. The entire focus. So when we so when you discipline, ask yourself what is your real objective. Then find a creative way to teach that lesson. You can probably find a better way to teach it without even without even using consequences at all. Okay. Now, so many so many ways. Uh, our discipline becomes consequence-based instead of teaching-based. So that's one of the biggest must one of big biggest mistakes. So and uh, two, we think that we think that we are, we we are disciplining. We can't be warm and not we can't be warm and nurturing. If we think that we are disciplining, we can't be warm and nurturing. It is really possible to calm. It is, it is really possible to be calm, loving, and nurturing while disciplining your child. In fact, it's important to combine clear and consistent boundaries with loving empathy. Don't underestimate how powerful a kind tone of voice can be. Can be as you have a conversation with your child about the behavior you want to change. Ultimately, you're trying to remain strong and consistent in your discipline. While still interacting with your child in a way that communicates warmth, love, respect, and compassion, these two aspects of parenting can be, can and should coexist. And um, so we think that we are disciplined. We can't be warm and nurturing. If we if we think we that we are disciplined. We can't be warm and nurturing and stuff. So, three, we confess consistency with with rigidity. Consistently means working from a reliable and coherent philosophy, so that our kids know what we expect of them. It doesn't mean maintaining an an unswerving devotion to some of arbitrary set of rules. So at times you might make expectations to the rules, turn a blind eye to some sort of minor infractions, or cut your child's, or, or cut your child some slack. Okay. Four, we talk too much. When kids are reactive and having a hard time listening, we often need to just be quiet. When we talk and talk at our upset children, it's usually counterproductive. We're just giving them a lot of sensory input and can further deregulate them. Instead, use more non-verbal communica- communication. Hold them, rub their shoulders, smile, or offer them empathetic facial expressions. Nod, then, then they begin to calm down and are ready to listen. And you can redirect by bringing, in other words, and addressing the issue on a verbal, on a more verbal, logical level. Five. We focus too much on the behavior and not enough on, on the way, on the on the why behind the behavior. Once again, we focus too much on the behavior and not enough on the why. 
behind the behavior. Any good doctor knows that a symptom is only a sign that something else needs to be addressed. Children's misbehavior is usually a symptom or something else. It will keep occurring if we don't connect with our child's feelings and the subjective experience that leads that leads to the behavior. The next time your child acts out, put on your Sherlock Holmes hat and look through the behavior to see what your feelings, curiosity, anger, frustration, exhaustion, and hunger, and so on might be caused the behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's this one's just true too. Um, we focus too much on behavior and not enough on on the why behind the behavior and stuff. And um, for instance, like, like he's saying this, um, what is causing behavior and stuff? Uh, instead, we don't. Instead, we shouldn't be asking, oh, why is he, oh, why is he doing that? But what is called what is causing behavior and stuff? Uh, like um, frustration. Are they frustrated? Are they tired? Are they hungry? And stuff like that. And uh, once we once we know that what's causing it, then we can get in, diagnose it, and address it, and stuff like that. And uh, we could do this easily by just sometimes by non-verbally or a logical verbal um, need and stuff. Six, we forget to focus on how we say what we say. What we say to our kids matters, of course it does, but just as important, but just as important is how we say it. Although it's not easy, we want to aim for being kind and respect, respectful every time we communicate with our kids. We won't always be able to hit the mark, but that should be our goal. Okay, we foc we foc we forget to focus on how we on on how we say. So if uh, uh, sometimes we we as parents, the greatest parents, we forget to focus on of how we say what we are going to say or what we are going to teach to our children or kids or children and stuff. Um, so, like for instance, um, uh, for instance, uh, instead of saying that, Tad, are you going to pick up your room? That is a too aggressive way. Uh, a tad. Uh, how about um, how about um, um, clean stuff looks good. You know, you know, a bit nice and clean. You know. Um, how about we? How about we go and how about we uh, help clean, make it nice and tidy in here. Or this, or you, you could also make it fun too. For instance, seven. We communicate that our kids shouldn't shouldn't experience big or negative feelings. We communicate that our kids shouldn't experience big or negative feelings. When your when your child reacts intensely when something doesn't go his way, do you ever shut down that reaction? We don't mean to, but parents can often send a message that we are that we're interested in being with our kids only if they're happy and not when they express negative emotions. We might say things like, when you're ready to be nice, then 
then you can rejoin the family. Instead, we want to communicate that we will be there for them. Even at their absolute worst, even as we say no to certain behaviors or how certain feelings get expressed, we want to say yes to our kids' emotions. Okay. Eight, we overreact, so our kids focus on, on our overreaction, not their own actions. When we overshoot the mark with our discipline, if, if we're punitive or too harsh or we react too intensely, our children stop focus on their behavior and focus instead on how mean or unfair they feel we are. So do whatever you can do to avoid building a uh, building maintained out of a module. Address the misbehavior and remove your child from the situation. If you need to, then give yourself time to calm down before saying much so you can be uh, calm and thoughtful when you respond. Then you can keep the focus on your child's actions rather than your own. Nine, we don't repel. There's no way we can avoid experiencing conflict with our kids and there's no way we'll always be on top of the, our game. In how we handle ourselves, we will be immature, reactive, and, and, and kind at times. What's most important is that we address our own misbehavior and repel the breach in the relationship as soon as possible. Most likely by offering and asking for forgiveness by repairing as soon as we can in a sincere and loving manner. We model for our children a crucial skill that will allow them to enjoy much more meaningful, much more meaningful relationships as they grow up. 10. We lay down the law in an emotional reactive moment then realize we overreacted. Sometimes our, our pronouncements can be a bit supersized. You can't go swimming for the rest of the sermon in these moments. Give yourself permission to, re, to reactify the situation. Obviously, following through is important. You'll, you'll lose credibility, but you can be consistent and still get out of the bind for example, you can off you can offer the one more chance card by saying, "I didn't give, I didn't like what you did, but I am going to give you another try at handling things right." You can also admit that you overreacted. I got mad earlier and I wasn't thinking things through very well. I've thought about it, and I've changed my mind. Eleven, we forget that our children may sometimes need need our help making good choices or calming themselves down. When our kids begin to begin to get out of control, the temptation is to demand and that they stop that right now. But sometimes, especially in the case of small children, they actually may not be capable of capable of immediately calming themselves down. That means you, you may need to move in and help them make good choices. The first step is to connect with your child with both words and non-verbal communication to help them understand that you're aware of the of his frustration only after his connection will be prepared for you to redirect him towards making better choices. Remember, 
we often need to need to wait before we spawn into misbehavior. When our kids are out of control, that's not the best time to best time to to regularly enforce a rule. When they are when they are calmer and more receptive, they'll be able to learn the lesson anyway. Twelve, we consider an audience when disciplining. Most of us worry too much about what our what other people might think, especially when it comes to how we parent our kids. But it's not fair to your children to discipline differently when someone else is watching. In front of in-laws, for example, the temptation might be to be harsher or more reactive because you feel that you're being judged as a parent. So remove the temptation, pull your child aside, and quietly talk to, to just him without anyone else listening. Not only will this keep you from worrying how, how you sound to, to the others in the room, it would also help you get better focus f from him and you can better and you can better atone this to to his behavior and needs. Thirteen, we get trapped in power struggles. When our kids feel uh, backed into a corner, they instantly fight back or shut will totally shut down. To avoid the trap, consider giving your child an out. An out. Would you like to get a drink first? Then we'll pick up the toys or or negotiate. Let's see if we can figure out the way for both of us to get what we need. Obviously, there's some non-negotiables, but 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 negotiation is a sign of weakness. It's a sign of respect for your child and her desires. You can even ask your child for help. Do you have any suggestions? You might be shocked to find out how much your child is willing to bend in order to bring about a peaceful resolution to the standoff. 14. We discipline in response to our habits and feelings instead of responding to our individual child in a particular moment. We sometimes lash out at our child because we're tired or because that what our parents did or because we're fed up with his brother who's been acting up all morning, it's not fair, but it's understandable. What's called for us to reflect on our be one's behavior, to really be in the m moment with our children, and to respond only to what's taking place in the instant. This is what the this is one of the most difficult tasks of parenting. But the more we can do it, the better we can respond to our kids in in loving ways. 15. We embarrass our kids by correcting them in front of others. When you have to discipline your child in public, consider her feelings. Imagine how, you, how you'd feel if, you, if your significant other called you out on something in front of other people. If possible, step out of the room or just pull her clothes and whisper. This isn't always possible, but when you can, show your child the respect of not aiding aiding or humiliating or whatever else you need to do to address the misbehavior. After all, embarrassment will just take a focus off the lesson you want to teach and she's unlikely to hear anything you want to tell her. 16. We assume the worst before letting our kids explain. Sometimes a situation looks bad and it really is, but sometimes things aren't as bad as they seem. Before lowering the boom, listening 
listen to your child, she may have good explanation. It's really frustrating to be to be to believe you have a rational for your actions, yet to have the other person say, I don't care, I don't want to hear it, there's no reason or excuse. Obviously, you can't be naive and any parent needs to wear her critical thinking cap at all times. But before condemning a child for what seems obvious at first, blush, find out what she has to say, then you can decide on how to respond. 17. We dismiss our kids' experience. We dismiss our kids' experience. When a child reacts strongly to a situation, especially when the reaction seems unwarranted and even ridiculous, the temptation is to say something like, you're just tired, stop fussing, it's not that big a deal, or why are you crying about this? But statements like these, but statements like these, kind of, kind of, kind of like, minimizes the child's experience. Imagine someone saying one of these phrases to you if we were upset. It's more, it's much more emotionally, emotionally responsive and effective to listen empathize and really understand your child's experience before you respond. Even if it seems ridiculous to you, don't forget that it is really, it's very real to your child, so you don't want to dismiss uh, something that's important to him. 18. We expect too much. Most parents would say that they know that the children's that children aren't, aren't perfect, but most parents also expect their children to behave all of the time. Father, parents often expect too much of their children when it comes to handling emotions and making good choices. Much more is much more than is developmentally, developmentally appropriate. This is especially the case with a firstborn child. The other mistake we make in expecting too much is that we assume that just because our child can handle things well sometimes she can handle things well all the time but especially when kids are young their capability to make good decisions really really fluctuates just because they can handle things well at one time doesn't mean they can all the time or at other times 19 we let experts trump our own instincts by experts, we mean authors and other gurus, as well as friends and family members. It's important that we should avoid disciplining our kids based on what others think we ought to do. Fill your discipline toolbox with information from lots of experts and non-experts. Then listen to your own instincts as you pick up, as you pick and choose different aspects of different approaches that seems to apply the best to your situation, with your family and your and your unique child. 20. We'll hard, we're too hard on ourselves. we found that it's often the most caring and conscious parents who are too hard on themselves. They want to discipline very well every time their kids mess up, but it's just not possible. So give yourself a break. Love your kids, set clear boundaries, discipline with love, and make up with them when, when you mess up. The kind of discipline is good for everyone who's involved and stuff. So these are the top the twenty mistakes that I went over that that uh, that um, 
Dr. Daniel Siegel, MD, Dr. Daniel uh, Siegel, and Tina Bryson uh, discusses that stuff. Once again, I just cannot uh, stress enough, uh, No Drama Discipline is the book. Uh, you can buy it at uh, Amazon Books or any uh, online bookstore and stuff. Uh, and so, so I highly recommend it and I highly recommend uh, everyone subscribing to my podcast for lots of great material. And thank you.